The gospel passage that we had just heard didn't used to be a very popular passage for my, for my hearing. But as I would begin my religious life, as many of you know, I began in the monastic tradition and I began living the Benedictine life and I joined a monastery that was close to home. We took vows of stability. And I chose that particular way of life because I thought living in a community would be better than maybe the lonely life of a diocesan priest, because that's the way I perceived the life. And I could stay close to mom and dad and my brothers and sisters. But as time would go on, and as I would be learning and, and being fed daily by the gospel passages, as I was doing my seminary studies and growing in my faith, and growing in my understanding of who I was truly called to be and who God was calling me to be, I would ultimately receive a call within a call, which would be to leave the monastery. And the call would literally take me more specifically up here to the Archdiocese of Portland. And it became pretty clear when, that all, when all that was going on that a good chunk of my early years of my formation were, were lived out, you know, one, because I did want to be there. But there was also a very large part that I was also keeping the people who are closest to me, my mother and father, my brothers and sisters, happy. I wanted to stay close. But to really be sure that I was entering into this life of priesthood, I needed to make sure that this was about Christ and about Christ alone. And so I would answer the call and I would come up here to Portland and, and that was a very painful thing for my family and for me. This separation, this idea that I, I am now going to work in some place where none of them live. But that is a very real call and one of the things that I've realized is that I was, although I was, I was separated for a while after ordination and as I started my mission as a priest here in the Archdiocese, in a very real way I would be, I would return and re-enter my family, but just with a different role and with a mission. Jesus' message to the apostles is a demanding one. The call to discipleship is a tall order, but not an impossible one. This Friday morning, I was honored to confer the sacrament of confirmation on one of, our, one of our young people. I reflected with her using some of the instruction of the rite itself. It stated, you who are already baptized, will now receive the power of his spirit and be signed with his cross on your foreheads. And so you must always bear witness to his passion and resurrection before the world so that your manner of life, as the apostle says, may be in every place a pleasing fragrance of Christ. It was kind of cool because normally when we celebrate these confirmations, kind of like these first communions, we have like 80 to 100 kids. But this day, this Friday morning, I was able to zero right in on her. 
And I was able to talk to her about the sacrament she was going to receive. And it, I must tell you, she will never forget it. And I reflected with her, how do you give witness to the passion? Well, in these days, in these times, we need to remember that the passion is a very real part of our story. We must be witnesses to the passion because you know what? Pain and difficulty, persecution, illness, and death are a part of the human experience. And we are called to give witness to that, to acknowledge it, to accompany people going through it. We are called to, to have hearts that are drawn to help and aid and comfort people experiencing levels of the passion. We're called to witness the fact that our Lord suffered and died for me and for you to save you. But that's not our only story because we're called to be witnesses of the passion and his resurrection. And we're called to be messengers of people who truly believe that we will not stay here. We will not stay in this pain. We will not continually be persecuted. We will not, death, death will not have the final word over our life. We will rise. And we're called to be witnesses of this reality. The demand of discipleship is to show preference to the other. Like Jesus, the disciple imitates his selfless example who came to serve, not to be served. It means stepping outside our comfort zone of selfishness, self-centeredness, and self-serving gratification to radiate the sacrificial, unconditional, and unprejudiced love of Jesus. This past week, I had a moment. I had a moment like I think many of you have had moments at some point over the past four months. These days seem to be dragging on sometimes. And as they drag on, I find myself having moments. I've done pretty good. But about a week ago in the evening, I just found myself, as I watched the news, being frustrated, feeling anger kind of growing inside of me, and kind of just falling into a, a a time of a moment of despair. It's exhausting. And so I texted my spiritual director, not wanting to stay there, to see if he could fit me in this week, and he did. I got to see him on Tuesday. And in my meeting with him, and, and as I was talking, you know, he kind of started with, you know, the good news and things are going well in the parish, things are pretty much going well with my, with my prayer life and everything. 
But I started talking about just my exhaustion, my, my anger, and the growing kind of just feelings of just lack of power when it comes to like, you know, not knowing what to do with the continued, you know, in the midst of a pandemic and us, you know, the, all the civil unrest and things going on in downtown Portland at night and everything, I was, I was just irritated. And you could sense my, my, my irritation. But what he said to me was, like it often is, dead on. He simply asked me, are you the mayor of Portland? Are you the governor of the state? Are you the archbishop of Portland? Stay in your lane. He says, you're the pastor of St. Pius X. Let your focus and your energy be poured into that place. Pray for all the craziness going on around you. But do and care for the circle of influence that God has placed in your midst. And he goes, and if you get kind of fed up or if you see something that irritates you and everything else, he goes, give it to God. Do not hang on to that stuff because your parish needs you to be a healthy version of you. I'm so glad I, I heard that and I reached out for help and he was able to just kind of put me back on the right track. Because later on in the week, my sister Kelly would call me and, and other parishioners would contact me and, and, and I'd be hearing all sorts of different things through emails or whatever. A lot of people were sitting there and talking about their frustrations after it's like, it's almost like after four months, people were getting a little tired. We're a little on edge. When we're, all, we're hearing all sorts of things, one, one moment we feel like we're getting better and next minute we're being told we're getting worse, right? This is hard. And as my sister said to me, she says, I don't even understand. She listened to my homily, one of my homilies this week, and she was like, and I was talking about responding and living out your calling. She goes, I don't know what my calling is in these days. I don't know. I'm trying to do the right thing. I'm trying to, trying to, you know, do what's right. I'm trying to social distance. I'm trying to keep, you know, stay away. I'm trying to, you know, take care of dad. I, I don't know, but I don't feel like I'm doing this right. And like three different times she would say, but I feel guilty for even saying this because I know all of us are feeling the same thing. I feel guilty. And this is, you know, what I wanted to just kind of unpack a little bit is that we in these days need to cut ourselves a little slack. We've never been through this before. And none of us really know how to do this. We don't know exactly when it's gonna end. We just, we're in it. We need to cut ourselves a little slack. We need to cut others a little slack. And we need to get back to really reclaiming what our calling is. And that is to be disciples, loving disciples of our Lord Jesus Christ. And to follow his commandments, live his commandment to love, and to stay connected to him. 
As Pope Francis reminds us in his exhortation, the joy of the gospel, the gospel offers us the chance to live life on a higher plane, but with no less intensity. Life grows by being given away. It weakens in isolation and comfort. Indeed, those who enjoy life most are those who leave security on the shore and become excited by the mission of communicating life to others. When the church summons Christians to take up the task of evangelization, she is simply pointing to the source of authentic personal fulfillment. For here we discover a profound law of reality that life is attained and matures in the measure that it is offered up in order to give life to others. This is certainly what mission means. My brothers and sisters, in these times, when we're called to sit there and socially distance, wear masks and be separate, we cannot allow these new, these new mandates and things like that to be our primary law that drives us. Our goal every morning when we get out of bed can't be simply that I'm going to be really good at staying six feet away from you. Our goal every morning can't simply be that I'm going to be diligent and doing everything perfectly. These are all important things. We don't want to stay in these, in these times forever. However, our goal as Christian people every day, especially today. Yes, with the need to be distanced. Yes, with to wear masks. But to know that in doing these things, I still have the mission and the call to live life intensely for Jesus Christ and to be a giver of life to the other. That's our purpose. And this pandemic cannot take that away. There is no union with Christ that is not a crucial adventure, and we are in an adventure. This union implies a radical detachment because of him, but it also the means with him to find everything. The disciples' attachment to Christ is an exclusive and heroic passion. It is one to which only God has a right. This attachment breaks whatever bonds would hinder our leaving all things to follow Christ on the way to his cross. We begin with what we hold most dear, our family relationships, a father's loving affection, the tenderness of a mother, the gentle friendship of brothers and sisters, all of which are good and legitimate, cannot be preferred to Christ. He must be preferred to self. But the condition of a disciple demands a one-to-one -one relationship with the master. My child, give me your heart. 
Moreover, when we give ourselves entirely to the Lord, he gives us a love which transforms all our relationships. He gives us back. After we give our lives and ourselves to Christ, he redeems us, loves us, saves us, and returns us to the other as gift. Pope Francis tweeted yesterday, only those who see with the heart see things well, because they know how to look into each person, to see a brother or sister apart from his or her mistakes, hope amid difficulty, they see God everywhere. Humble and insignificant though they may seem, the disciples of Jesus, humble and insignificant that we may seem, the disciples of Christ bear his presence. In these days, I just want to encourage all of you to not give in and to allow what, we, what we're going through to take you out of the game, to take you and to shelve your sense of mission. We need to cling to Christ and to be his voice, his heart, his hands, in these days and in these times. But we can only fulfill this task insofar as we are able to spend ourselves in the service of him whom we announce and by whom we are sent. We need to be his witnesses. That's gotta be our primary purpose for waking up each day. Lily, Adrian, and Catherine, today you celebrate your first Holy Communion. And on this first day of your first Holy Communion, when I offer you the body of Christ, and you say amen, and you take him into yourself for the very first time, what's happening, what's going to happen here today is such a beautiful gift. Jesus wants you to know that he is in you and you are in him, that you're together. And he wants to feed you, to strengthen you, so that you know that he's always with you. And that when you have your bad days and you're experiencing those passion-like moments, you'll remember he's with you and that you will also rise and move through those moments with his help. Celebrating your first Holy Communion, this is just launching into, into the rest of your life, one of the greatest gifts that we have to receive. His body, his blood poured out for you so that you can walk in him 
he can be in you all the days of your life. And with his help and presence, no difficulty of this life will ever allow you to stay down for very long. He will always grab your hand, pick you up, and you will continue moving along together.